Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Unleashing Possibilities podcast. This is Mark, and Christy is here with me. Hello, mentors. So today, we are going to bring to you a really cool dimension of several of our distinctions, specifically the distinction of unconscious story and nine dots, to really explore one of the ways that we can box ourselves in and others as well too. And we'll talk about some of the limiting factors and some of the dangers that come with that. And it's a supernatural thing. So we're gonna dive into that a lot more and uncover that. And it's important because we want us to be aware that we do this in very conscious and unconscious ways. And it's human nature, it's supernatural to do. And this way of boxing ourselves in, as I said, kind of alluded to earlier, can really limit our possibilities. It can limit our ways of being in relationship or our ways of being in situations. It can really limit our choices. It can limit our responses. And so ultimately it just keeps us ultimately in the same space and doesn't really open up possibility for growth, newness, change, which is where we oftentimes want to go. So what we're talking about as this um, topic, this distinction that boxes us in in this way is known as standards, sensitivities, and characterizations. So standards, sensitivities, and characterizations are a way of being in the world that are very human. So the first thing that feels really important to share about this topic before we dive into the to the nitty gritty of it is to know that we are already always in standards. We have standards of ourselves. We have standards for others. And as Mark alluded to, they're conscious and they're unconscious. And we, therefore, by having standards, we become sensitive to when people or ourselves don't act in accordance with those standards and we become sensitive. And then that can lead into the characterizations that we start making of ourselves and other people that, as Mark shared, box us in. It boxes us in into being limited in our range of responses, limited in the view that we can hold of ourselves and the way that we can become generating of something else in our life beyond the characterization, beyond the standard, beyond the sensitivity. And it limits the way that we can then really um, receive others and others can receive us. So this is a really important topic for mentorship because we are holding standards of our youth, whether we consciously or unconsciously think about it. And we become sensitive to the way our youth act with and around us as mentors. And then we start characterizing our youth, which may be limiting them. And because our youth are also human, they're doing this toward us without even knowing it. So how do we wake up to standards, sensitivities, and characterizations as mentors so that we can model and do something different with our youth? We can broaden how we show up with our youth and bring us all into the wide open possibilities that exist for our relationships with our youth, for the possibilities of our youth future, and who knows, mentors, the way that we actually start to be in all of our relationships uh, and in the world that could be more compassionate, more loving, more caring, more open, more spacious with ourselves and all of those around us. What a gift we'd be bringing when we can do this. 
So today's topic is not to undo the fact that we make standards and sensitivities and characterizations. That's just to be human. That's built into our biology. It's built into our nervous system. It doesn't make us bad people, but it is letting us know that we have an automatic way, a really quick way we can go to these. And if we pretend that we're not doing it, we're not acknowledging it. And if we're not acknowledging it, then it's projected out there and we actually don't get to work with it. And that's when we're boxed in. We're boxed into our unconscious story. We're boxed into the nine dots and we're not seeing the fullness of life and the people in our lives. So that's a little tee up. And what we're gonna do now is tease apart those three components. How does a standard lead to a sensitivity, lead to a characterization? So then we can talk about how would we undo all of those? Yeah, and so let's jump in. So in thinking about standards, um, we all have standards and these are created in various ways. Sometimes it could be how we grew up in our childhood and things we learned from family about what's important and what expectations we should have for ourselves and for others. Um, it could be influenced by our values and our beliefs. And so we create these standards. Some of them we could consciously say, oh yeah, I recognize this is a standard that I hold when I'm in a relationship or when I'm with a coworker or when I'm in a certain space. And there are a lot of unconscious standards that we have as well too. And so if we can notice them and see them and reflect on them, that it invites us to, to really get clear on what that standard is. And then we can, to Christy's point, kind of start to tame it or undo it or explore it even more. So a standard is this idea that I'm walking around in life. So we're all walking around in life with standards of how everyone, including myself and, and other people are supposed to act, be, and talk in the world. So there is a supposed to, a should that's in a standard, a should be of the way that I act, talk, or be in the world. And we hold these about people, as Mark said, consciously, and unconsciously, and they're formed in the ways Mark talked about from our childhoods, our cultures, um, et cetera. Mark, can you think of a standard maybe you have that um, is just like, that you've caught on to in this work that you didn't know you had? Yeah, one that I've realized is really important to me uh, is around eye contact. And when I'm in conversation with another person, I have the standard that they're going to look at me and they're going to, their, their attention is going to be toward me, a conversation. What about for you? A crazy standard that it's not crazy, but to understand how it's made me so sensitive to the world, which is a lead into the sensitivity piece is I have a standard that um, people should be grateful when someone does an act of kindness um, for them or with mm -hmm. them or toward them. And that, that, that gratitude should be verbally expressed that people should say, thank you. So that's a standard I've come become aware of that I had that was, oh, like I would maybe describe it before getting into this work. Oh, I have this value for, for being grateful, but I have a standard about how grateful should show up in the world. And it's a pretty narrow view once I started studying it, which makes me very sensitive to when people don't act in accordance with that standard, that I can then turn it into something else uh, in the sensitivity of it. So these are a couple of examples. There's other ways that we have standards like people should always be respectful. 
Um, what are some others, Mark? Yeah, I think about, you know, when I'm talking, people shouldn't interrupt or when there's a meeting, everybody should be on time or maybe I have the standard, you should be early. Um, when I walk into an organization, uh, a company, I should be greeted immediately by the staff and feel welcomed. So there's, yeah, just, and so as we share this list of mentors, we invite you to think about what are some of the standards that you consciously are aware of that you know that you hold um, for yourself, others, and spaces that you inhabit. So when we have these standards, then when we show up, I love this example, I show up in a company and I'm not greeted, then I get sensitive. Like, think about those moments. It's like, how dare these people not, not, I'm here, they're not greeting me, they're not showing excitement that I'm here. If I take my standard of like being grateful, it's, I love gift giving, I love note card writing. Um, and I, I do a lot of that. But I also realize I get really sensitive if someone does not acknowledge that I dropped them a note or I gave them a gift. And I, I didn't think I was gift giving for that return. But I notice when it's not there and I become sensitive to it of, oh, that person doesn't appreciate me. They don't value the way that I value them. And I can make it have a whole story. So this can also lead then the sensitivity into fact versus interpretation, which puts us into the nine dots. So these ways of being sensitive to our standards can start to get in the way. And I was just going to share, yeah. And so when, with these sensitivities, it's a recognition of their, it's, it's in our nervous system. It's kind of, it's built in. So um, as a result of holding these standards, yeah, we just, it, it's there within our bodies. And so very quickly, we can kind of get triggered, react, respond, and feel something when we sense that the standard is not being met or sense that it won't be met. And this can lead to your point to interpretations, a lot of assumptions that are going on. And, um, you know, I was just thinking about in your example, Christy, around kind of being grateful, a potential sensitivity I could see is if I give somebody something, I might just be sensitive to their body language. And I'm like, oh, they're, you know, they just kind of turned for a split second, but maybe that meant they didn't like it. They didn't care for it. They didn't. And it may not be it at all, but I could quickly assume that I'm sensitive to that. So I'm looking for evidence that the standards being met or not being met. And so body language I might be looking at, I'm listening for tone. I'm, why were they so, took so long to respond when I shared that with them, right? Is the time, does a time delay in the messaging mean anything? And so it's just this awareness of we're, we're not even realizing it, but we're just sensitive to all these things and may unintentionally pick up something that really isn't even there, have an interpretation that a standard's not even being met when, when in actuality, it means something completely different. It ties into this notion to this sensitivity of um, of when I have a standard of how it would mean to feel appreciated or valued. I miss all the ways that the people in my life are showing me appreciation and showing me how I'm valued that aren't in alignment with my standard, but are there. And so it's this idea that nothing's missing in my life. It's all already here. Can I be aware of it, attuned to it? And that's maybe a little bit of a deeper step than our youth can go yet in this workshop content that we'll be bringing this forward with mentors. So the invitation here today is, can you start to see how the standards we hold of how things are supposed to be has us be sensitive? We like to say the event happened and made us sensitive. Something happened to us that caused our sensitivity. 
but it's not that. It's our standard of how things are supposed to be instead of what actually happened that caused our sensitivities. That's a pretty big concept, a pretty big leap, but this is where our youth can ultimately get to by working through this distinction with them over time, over months, over years, um, is to start to understand life is not happening to them. Life is always participating with them. It's when we're sta our standards of how it should be going get in the way that we're not able to meet what is. And this happens then with people. So we can't meet the people that are showing up in our lives about what we want to bring about. So we make declarations about people that we usually don't change. Sometimes we call these first impressions, but sometimes they're impressions that get formed over a period of time. And that's what we're calling today characterizations. So to link this, I have a standard of the way someone is supposed to act, be, um, or talk in the world. When they don't do that, I am sensitive to the fact they're not doing it to my standard. And now I make a characterization about that person. So if we go with my example of not being grateful, have a standard that people would say thank you. They don't say thank you when I do an act of kindness and therefore I characterize them as an ungrateful person. And now every time I'm with them, I'm looking for them to be in the characterization of being ungrateful. And I might miss the very subtle ways that that person is actually showing gratitude for me. This happens in my match. I, uh, I dropped coffee off for my mentee yesterday morning and I expected a thank you text. I realized at the end of the day when I never gotten a thank you text. But what I did get was a text of a different regard um, and, um, and found out that she was looking forward to seeing me today, uh, a day later, and um, wanted to share the thank you for the coffee that I dropped off in a different way. So I got all you know crabby at the end of the day of I'm unappreciated, I'm not valued. I could have stayed there, but I realized, oh, this was my standard, my sensitivity. This wasn't about her. So this is how this comes into the relationship. So then I miss all the ways that my mentee is in fact showing her gratitude for me. So Mark, I've given us a very specific mentoring example, but if you pulled us out of this and helped us understand characterizations a little bit larger, what would you tell us about them? Yeah, what I would add is, and what you kind of helped us to see is a characterization is the act of assigning a quality to others that is not meant to be a permanent quality. And so you gave the example of ungrateful. And so maybe in a specific experience, somebody might've showed up and I interpreted they were being ungrateful, but I assigned them as being ungrateful. And now I've just kind of characterized and labeled them that and in treating them as if they are this quality um, that is really meant to just be a moment in time. It's not a quality that we are as humans that we're just walking around ungrateful individuals. And so, you beautifully helped us to see um, how we might show up when we characterize. And I think too, in your example, another thing that I might add is if I am characterizing somebody as ungrateful, I could immediately start to see how that might also impact me and how I want to continue to show up with this person. So maybe I don't want to go out of my way and do something nice or kind to them because I sense they're going to be, they're an ungrateful person. So why would I even bother? Why would I try? And now I'm cutting off part of myself, my goodness, my kindness, my love, and not bringing it forth because of this characterization of this other person. 
And this is what, when you said that, what really struck me is how you opened our, our conversation today is it's a limitation on myself and on other people. And that limitation has me not see the fullness, the wholeness of myself or others or the possibilities from here. I, the world gets smaller. I get more constricted of what I might see possible for my young person if I've characterized her or him as an ungrateful person, for example, or a rude person or a lazy person or not respectful or unsupportive or disengaged. That characterization has me only seeing that. And then I'm not able to work with the other qualities, the other possibilities of them because I put that permanent characteristic on them. Yeah. And I think about too, when we characterize individuals, we sometimes pull others around us into that characterization. And so we may talk about the other person and say, oh, Joe was so ungrateful. Um, he's such an ungrateful person. Like here's an example. And I might actually influence others to assign that same quality or they then share an experience. Like now that you say that, it reminded me of, and now we've kind of typecasted this person and um, we've brought others into that experience as well too. And so not only are we limiting possibility between me and that person, but now maybe between another group of people and that person. Yeah. And so the result of these characterizations is it can freeze a relationship in the moment and time that we made the characterization. And we don't evolve from there. A relationship doesn't evolve from there. And so I could be stuck in Michelle, my mentee is never grateful. And therefore, to your point, my relationship gets stuck there. There's no acts of kindness flowing either way um, because I've made that of her. I could be limiting her other possibilities in the world, like you said, by enrolling other people. If I came here to New Pathways and said, she's such an ungrateful person, New Pathways may never invite her to be in retreats as most of our mentors have seen where she is so loving and gracious with the youth and the mentors and um, bringing more healing into the world. So those are two ways that I can get stuck or the person making their characterization can get stuck in time and the relationship not evolve. And we have to be on the lookout for that in our mentoring relationships, especially. Again, I think about, you know, another impact is how we can really prepare ourselves to be with this person. So we automatically share, I'm only going to give this part of myself. I'm only going to show up in this way, which we kind of hit, hit on already. And so these are all, again, limiting factors. You can see that we're cutting ourselves off. We're enrolling other people to see somebody a certain way that, again, is not how they truly are. And it just ultimately gets us stuck. We, we can't really open up possibility. And we start to show up with them as if they're only that thing, which limits their ability to respond or to exchange with us in any other capacity. So we narrow their response ranges if we show up only interacting with them in this way of this, this characteristic. So there are ways that we can actually undo characteristics once we've made them. So our invitation to you mentors is to start thinking about what are the characterizations that you've made about your young person, your youth, your mentee, based upon your standards and the sensitivities to your standards. And how might those characterizations be limiting your youth growth, the health of your relationship with them and the possibilities? 
We don't ask this question to beat you up. We don't ask this question to imply that our mentors are bad. You guys are amazing human beings. It's to acknowledge that as human beings, we are all already doing this. So an area for our growth, our greatest growth perhaps as mentors is to start to look at our standards, our sensitivities, our expectations of what's supposed to happen with our young people as a place for growth for ourselves. And so can we just acknowledge that it's happening? Can we acknowledge that we have growth to do around it as human beings? And then when we start modeling that, what might be the larger, um, the greater capacity range of responses that our young people can hold in their relationship with us and in the possibilities they start to see for themselves. So we talked about how standards lead to sensitivities and develop characterizations. We now wanna give you some tools for undoing the characterization as you make this inquiry about the characterizations you hold. I think you, you started to get to some of those. And so just the awareness, the ownership, the acknowledgement that we hold these, I think a way for us to really explore what these three are is to first start with the characterization and just recognize that we are holding these characterizations of ourselves, of our mentees, of others, and we can start to work back from there. So how might I be characterizing my mentee? What might be some of the things I'm saying about them unconsciously or consciously? Um, I know for sometimes like with my own youth, I've sensed like my youth is unmotivated. And so go back from there, right? What are the sensitivities that I have and what might be the standards that I'm holding that led me to have that characterization that my youth is showing up as unmotivated. So it's owning that we hold these things, becoming curious about the standards, the sensitivities and the characterizations. And from there, then we can start to undo, but we have to have the awareness. We have to have the ownership. We have to really acknowledge what's true for us around these three things. So one of the ways we can undo the characterization once we've made it is to look for all the times, the evidence that they've not been that characterization. So the example Mark just gave us is looking for all the times his youth has been motivated. There will be many times there is evidence that his youth has motivation. Can we look at that and build on that? I can look at all the times my young person has been expressive of her appreciation and gratitude for my presence in her life. There are many of those. So if I just look at the one coffee time and make a generalization and get stuck there, uh, we don't move forward. So can I look at the evidence for all the times that they have been um, not that characterization and remember that they are more than the characterization that I hold about them? And what strikes me about this, Mark, is this can go in the pot in not just the you know air quotes here, negative characterizations we make. Like if I make the characterization of you, Mark, that you are funny, you're humorous. And I, I tell you all the time, oh, Mark, you're so funny. You're so humorous. And then your only way, the only way I've given you to be with me when we're together is to be funny and humorous. And then I and then I get frustrated that we're never having a serious conversation. We're never having a conversation about what's really emotionally present for you or what your goals and your dreams and aspirations are. So we have to look at the ways that our um, characterizations start to limit those ranges. And so when we talk about undoing them, it's also looking at the characterizations we hold that might be positive, that we can undo and therefore give a, a broader range of response for our young people. 
so playing with the example of Mark's so humorous, then if if that's the only characterization I have of Mark, and I'm not working to undo that, every time we show up together, you know, we might have a ton of fun, but we might not get to the work that we need to get done here at New Pathways for our young people. So I also know Mark to be studious. I know Mark to be hardworking. I know him to be thoughtful. I know him to be research oriented. I know him to be um, really caring about the way that we deliver our content to other people. And sometimes that has a serious tone. So I have to look at all of those uh, qualities that Mark also has that undo this characterization that he is only and permanently funny and humorous. Yeah, I, I love that. And thank you for seeing all those things <laughs> in me. Um, and yeah, so I think, again, you just helped us to see that we can, again, we can practice this. We can just be in the practice of reflection, curiosity, and be looking for just what else is out there and not just assigning one quality to a person, but recognizing that we are dynamic individuals. We have so much within us. We're evolving and constantly growing. So what was important to us yet last week may not be important to us this week. And so how can we be open to allowing an individual to show up how they're going to show up in that moment and not locking them into a way of being that they had last week, yesterday, a year ago. We're always growing. We're very dynamic individuals. So mentors, our call to action for you today is this. Start to reflect on the characterizations that you have made about yourself, about your young person, or other people in your life. What are the characterizations you hold of yourself or others? And then start exploring the ways to undo those characterizations of yourself and others. And one of the ways that we've offered today is looking for the broader range of qualities that is in that person beyond the characterization, the evidence of those qualities. And then we also want you to commit to try on showing up in a relationship in a way that reflects your authenticity and that other person's authenticity that's not influenced by the characterizations that you've held of yourself or others in this particular relationship up until now. And then of course, our last call to action is connect with your program coordinator and share what you're learning, what you're taking away and how you'll apply this to helping your young person explore their unwritten possibilities for their future. And so we look forward to exploring this more with you and your youth in an upcoming workshop. And we would love to know what you're learning about yourself, what you're learning about your mentee, what you're learning about relationship. And for me, as I think about this work around standards, sensitivities, and characterizations, there's a little bit of a freedom and letting go of pressure around it um, in that I recognize I don't have to be locked into these ways of looking at myself and others, but I can see people as um, the unique and evolving individuals that they are. And so there's something that's kind of freeing about that. And the way they are in that moment, which may be different than the way they've been in other moments. So can we see their wholeness? So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep unleashing possibilities.